Today on the Matt Wall Show, Christy Nome, the governor of South Dakota, has become the latest conservative to surrender, seemingly surrender, on the women's sports issue. Today we'll talk about why that's a bad idea. This is a, this is a hill worth dying on, and we'll talk about why. Also, five headlines, including one woke company releases an ad that uh, promotes transgenderism in children, and another woke company pulls their ads from the Daily Wire because one leftist with a Twitter account and five followers told it to. And our daily cancellation will deal with the latest celebrity to come out in support of fat acceptance. That and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. You know, as a conservative, I'm often told that whatever opinion I happen to be expressing at any given moment is, quote, not the hill to die on. No matter what the opinion is, no matter the issue being discussed, I, I, am, I am sure to hear from 100 members of the peanut gallery who will all warn in ominous tones that uh, by, by expressing this point of view, whatever it is, I am not only dying on a hill, but to make matters worse, it's the wrong hill. You sure you want to die on this hill, they ask? The question is rhetorical. They've already decided that I should not want to die on it, but I will if I keep talking. Now, the thing about these people and their dire warnings about untimely deaths on wrong hills is that they never give any suggestions as to the right hill. Now, they're sure that this issue, whatever the issue happens to be, is not worth this kind of fight, but they won't indicate which issue is worth this kind of fight. It's become apparent to me that the don't die on this hill crowd, especially those who call themselves conservatives, are so confident that every hill is the wrong hill precisely because they've decided that no hill is the right hill. They're prepared to surrender every hill, except defeat on every issue, one at a time, one after another, until there are no more hills left to defend. Then they can turn around in triumphant defeat, shrug their shoulders and say, well, looks like all the hills have been taken, and then go home to their couch and their Netflix account and live the rest of their lives in the comfort of subjugation. Now, my strategy is quite the opposite of this. I would rather die on every hill, no matter how great or small. It doesn't require any real bravery to take this position, you know, as dying on a hill means not really dying, but really just enduring mean comments from people on the internet. Uh, I've died on a million hills, and yet, yet I live. Because death on a metaphorical hill is nothing like death on a physical one, it turns out. But while the ever-growing contingent of cowards and defeat fetishes on the right continue to surrender hill after hill in succession, abandoning their posts faster than the Minneapolis PD abandoned their precinct to BLM arsonists, it's important to identify, I think, the most important hills for the rest of us to defend. As much as I, as I said, I would love to die on all of them, and I do choose all of them, from, from, the sm- from emojis all the way up, okay, in terms of, uh, in terms of the, the severity of the issue. But even so, I think it's important to, to, to figure out what are the most important issues, the most important hills. And I would say that one of them, a central hill, perhaps the central hill, is certainly the issue of gender. Now, to acquiesce to the left's agenda on this front, to submit to their attempted erasure of biological reality, is to give up on logic, truth, morality, and science. In a word, it is to give up on everything, everything that matters. It is to abandon the last hill. Governor Christy Nome of South Dakota, to the surprise of many, not to the surprise of me, because I'm never surprised to see this from a Republican, I don't care who it is, But she is one Republican willing and ready to do just that, to abandon the last hill. After excitedly encouraging her state legislature to pass a bill banning 
uh, males from female sports. She suddenly at the last minute changed her mind. Upon receiving the bill on her desk, the bill that she said she would sign, a bill which would put, you know, um, put a halt to the to the march of gender madness, at least in South Dakota and at least in the realm of sports. After receiving it, Nome flinched. She announced that actually she couldn't sign it as is, uh, mostly because she doesn't want the ban to extend to the collegiate level. Her reason is that banning males from women's sports in college might make the NCAA mad. And they might try to, quote, punish South Dakota for it. Now, I'm not exaggerating. I'm not being reductive here. That's really her reason. That's what she said. She doesn't want to make them mad because they might punish her. Here she is explaining it at a press conference yesterday. Listen. I want to be very palms up with each and every one of you here today. These legal scholars think that South Dakota's chances of winning a lawsuit against the NCAA are very low. The NCAA is a private association. That means they can do what they want to do. And even though it fundamentally, I fundamentally disagree with them when it comes to this issue, if South Dakota passes a law that's against their policy, they will likely take punitive action against us. That means they could pull their tournaments from the state of South Dakota. They could pull their home games. They could even prevent our athletes from playing in their league. That's their prerogative. So a fight that doesn't truly protect women's sports and doesn't allow women to compete, ultimately is going to hurt South Dakota families. And if the NCAA did take action against the state of South Dakota, we could sue them. I know we could do that. But these respected legal scholars inform me that that, we would likely lose at that level facing the court circumstances that we have in front of us. So we could pass a law, then we could get punished, then we could face expensive litigation at taxpayer expense, and then we could lose. Well, there it is. Now, Nome was on with Tucker later that night to further explain her position, and it was more of what you just heard there. Uh, she's concerned that imposing sanity and fairness at the college level may spark a fight with the NCAA that she doesn't think that uh, they can win. She thinks she's going to lose. Now, this is, I think we could say, the most quintessentially Republican line of reasoning that you'll ever hear. To surrender a fight preemptively based on the fear that you might lose it. Well, we're going to lose this fight, so let's just um, lose it on purpose. We're going to lose it anyway. And she's also worried that Amazon might be mad and might abandon the state as well, we should know. Now, to me, you know, these seem like profoundly unthreatening threats. This is one of those things where is that a promise or a threat kind of situation? The NCAA might flee from your state. Amazon might go with them. Good. Let them go. Who cares? But why, why is that a problem? That seems to me to be more of a perk, if anything. But whether it should make us sad or not, if the NCAA and Amazon uh, doesn't want to be our friend, the fact is that the consequences are worth suffering. Let's pretend that those are really are dire or terrible consequences. So what? I mean, quite literally, any consequence would be worth suffering for this. And I really mean that any consequence. And a lawsuit, certainly. A lawsuit that you're going to lose, that's a consequence worth suffering. Because this is not just about women's sports. Let's be clear about this. This is not merely a matter of devising some practical plan to make sure that the girls of South Dakota can play volleyball unencumbered. It's not just what this is about. As the left has pointed out, 
there haven't been many biological males attempting to intrude into female sports in that state. It's been a problem in other states, and it's going to increasingly be a problem. But in South Dakota, it has so far not been a significant problem, and it may never be a significant problem in South Dakota. The problem may never reach epidemic levels there. That's true. But that's not the point. At least that's not the whole point. The point is to make a statement, to draw a line, to defend what is sane and reasonable because it is sane and reasonable. It shouldn't be necessary, but it is. Laws are not just laws. They are messages. Society communicates its values, communicates what it finds acceptable through laws. Now, the left knows this and they act upon it. They use the law. They use it to help shape public opinion, to help shape what society sees as acceptable, what it sees as wrong and right. And it works. Now, the right, one of its many problems, still doesn't understand this. It used to understand this, but it doesn't anymore. Many on the right still want to pretend that the fight over women's sports is motivated purely and only by our concern over our daughters having a fair opportunity to be captain of the track team. It's not just, yes, that's part of the concern, but that's not the whole thing. If it was just about your daughter on the track team, then I would say, you know, it's actually not that big of a deal. But that's not it. You know, we all know that's not the biggest issue here. The biggest issue is that the left is attacking reality itself on the most fundamental level. That's the issue. And women's sports is just one arena for that fight. But it's an important arena. And it's an arena that we're that everybody is looking at now and focused on. That's what makes it important. The consequences of surrendering it of losing in this arena would have ramifications that go far beyond your daughter's track team. The consequences ultimately are, again, that we give up on reality, that we live in a society that simply fundamentally does not recognize reality and truth anymore at all. That seems like a big consequence to me. That seems like a a fight worth having. I don't know what fight is worth having if that's not. I don't know how we can have any fights if we don't all live in reality, if we're not defending reality and truth. And that's why we choose this hill to die on. Any Republicans who would turn tail and run from it are of no use to us. Totally useless. If you can't get it right on this issue, you're useless. And that certainly goes for Christy Nome too. Now let's get to our five headlines. We're excited about a new sponsor on the, the show today, X Chair. Now look, you you maybe like me, you spend a lot of a lot of your day sitting down, you know, depending on what you do for a living. I know for me, I spend a whole lot of time sitting down, more time than I should certainly be spending sitting down. And what that means is that just like your mattress matters because of how much time you spend laying down on your mattress and sleeping. Uh, the, the kind of chair you have. It really does matter. It matters for your comfort. It matters for your health. It matters in so many ways. And that's why I'm so excited to have X Chair, which I am uh, currently sitting in as we speak and enjoying every minute of it. 
X-Chair has you covered for your office needs. The secret is not only their patented dynamic variable lumbar support, which offers unbelievable lumbar uh, support to your lower back, but now, thanks to their new XHMT technology, you can also get heat and massage therapy while you're sitting at your desk. Um, I, I, we have the massage function on this chair. I don't use it during the show because that seems inappropriate, but it is, uh, it is wonderful, I can tell you. The XHMT delivers heat and massage technology right to your core, helping increase blood flow, muscle recovery, and energy, all perks that make working from home or office uh, a joy. It even has four different massage modes and fast warming heat, heat technology for therapy uh, when you're sore. And on top of all that, it's, it, it is an extremely comfortable chair. You sit down in it and you say, I don't, I don't, I don't want to ever give up, get up again. Um, I can't recommend it enough. This is why I love my X chair. You'll love it too. X chair is on sale now for $100 off. $100 off right now. Go to xchairwalsh.com. And uh, that's the letter X, chairwalsh.com. Or call 1-844-4X-CHAIR. X Chair is a 30-day guarantee of complete comfort, and you can finance your purchase for as little as 30 bucks a month. Go to xchairwalsh.com now. Use code XWheels for free X Wheel blade casters. That's again xchairwalsh.com. Okay, so uh, this is from the Daily Wire. It says the hygiene company Harry's dropped advertising on the Daily Wire last week, apparently in response to an anonymous Twitter account with nearly no followers. Uh, the Twitter account that had garnered five followers by Monday afternoon posted on March 7th uh, a message to Harry's objecting to its advertising on the Daily Wire's The Michael Knowles Show, which uh, you may have heard of that show before, for its allegedly homophobic and transphobic content. Now, this, again, just some rant. I don't even think it's one of those accounts that they didn't even have a, they don't even have a, an avatar. There's no profile photo. It's just like a, it's, it's just a random anonymous account from one person with five followers, this is, this is somebody with zero power and influence. Like, does not matter what they think. The easiest kind of person to ignore. And, um, but Harry's, which is a you know, multi-million dollar company, responds and, and they say, thanks for bringing this up. We condemn the views in this video, refer- referring to a video of, of Knowles talking about um, uh, the transgender issue. And, uh, it says, we, conde- we condemn the views in this video, which are inexcusable and at odds with our longtime support of the LGBTQ plus community. We've ended our relationship with this show and are looking into our sponsorships to prevent any values uh, misalignment going forward. So, you know, this, you, you see what it takes. This is, the kind of, this is the kind of power on the left. This is the kind of institutional power. That um, that those on the left have for all the talk about how in, you know if you're if you're a, a white male you have uh, allegedly all this privilege and all this power I I still have not seen it I don't know where to cash in I've been asking for years I mean I'm I'm not above cashing in if I can cash in on my white male privilege and get all kinds of perks I'll do it just tell me where but I haven't found it yet now being on the left though. See, see, privilege is afforded according to ideology, not according to to uh, not 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 according purely to race. What matters first and foremost, number one, is your ideology. Because if you don't have the right ideology, there is zero privilege for you in the culture today. So you got to start with that now, and then once you have the right the quote right ideology, then from there you get even more privilege depending on uh, what victim groups you belong to and so forth. But, but think about this privilege. 
you, you, you have so much privilege that from an anonymous account with five followers, you can demand that a multi-million dollar company change its marketing strategy and they'll do it. They'll just right away say, well, okay, if you say so. See, on the right, we can't even, like, we can't, even us, even us um, dastardly white males, we can't even conceive of that kind of cultural power. Because it would never happen. Ever. It would never, if you have a, a Twitter account with a few followers and you sent a, a message to any company and say, hey, yeah, I really don't like that advertisement. It, it, it offended me. It's going to ignore you. And, and it, the thing here is that, that Harry's, it's not, it's not only that they dropped the advertising, which you know, they're obviously free to do. Um, it's not just that. But as the God King Jeremy Boring pointed out on Twitter, it, it, it's that they, on their way out the door, they also condemned you know, the show that they were just advertising with. And by extension, condemned the whole audience. The people that they were that they were just trying to sell their product to on the way out, they condemned all of them as a bunch of transphobes and bigots. So this this is this is more than that. This is more than a company making a decision about who. Of course, they have the right. No one's saying they don't have the right to do that. But on the way out the door, like the, the kick in the butt in the way out the door, you were just working with this show. Did, did you not know that it was a conservative show? Really? Did you did you really not know that? Of course you did. But on the way out, condemn the show, the audience, everyone. That's the way it goes. Now, here, here to, to kind of make my point, we'll move on to number two here. Uh, so that's that's the, the, the woke company, Harry's, um, which, by the way, look, Harry's, they can make decisions about who they advertise with. They're free to do that in a free market. And you and I can make decisions on what companies we choose to support. And those are, and, and, and we on the right need to start being a lot more. Um, we have to start making more more considered decisions, as far as that goes. And when, as far as I, you know, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of boycotts in principle. But if a company is saying, "We don't want your business," we hate you. We think you're a bunch of bigots. We don't want your business. Then, as a matter of Basic self-respect. We don't have to call it a boycott. Call it whatever you want. As a matter of basic self-respect, I think we have to say, well, okay, then I'm not going to give you my money. We should not be forcing our money into the hands of people who don't want it and are saying, I don't want your money. You're, you're, you're horrible people. Well, I don't care. Take it anyway. Please take my money from me. That's what Harry's is saying. If you go and buy Harry's, remember, remember, and, and you're a conservative. Remember, they hate you, and you're forcing your money on them. And they don't want it. You got to think about whether you really want to do that. Now, I now it's easy for me to say. I obviously am not that. I, I kind of think razors are overrated as it goes already. But uh, so maybe it's easy for me to say. Okay, so that's Harry's. That's one woke company. And then number two here, we got another woke company, uh, Pantene, the makers of um, pretty much all the toiletry. All, all the companies are going woke, but especially in the toiletry realm. Uh, that's where it's uber woke there. And so Pantene, maker of, I believe, shampoo, has um, become the latest corporation to jump on the trans indoctrination bandwagon. 
And I'm going to play this ad for you, which is a really repulsive and grotesque ad on many, many levels. And I guarantee you, if you're a conservative with, your, with an anonymous account and five followers, you can express your outrage over this ad to Pantene, and they're not going to give a damn. Okay, They're not, they're not going to do anything in response to that, because they don't care about you. But here's the, uh, let's play this. This is the ad for Pantheon. This is um, uh, a, we're being told about a young boy who decided to, be, to become a girl and is in the middle of this gender transition and is being helped along in that transition by his two mothers. So two mothers, um, his two lesbian mothers end up with a boy who wants to be a girl. What a coincidence. I mean, that, that's it. It's got to be, you know, it's, how, how can we possibly draw any connection there at all? We, we, we simply can't. Let's watch the ad now. Here it is. So as for LGBTQ kids, hair is more than you think. It's how you are seen. Sawyer is an old soul. She is our uh, spunky and creative kiddo. Sawyer also happens to be a transgender girl. I remember the no, first time she was out in the community wearing the clothing she wanted in her hair, and she kind of was herself. And that was the first day no, where no, I saw not her. He's the opposite of himself. She has always been super gender creative. And that doesn't mean anything. Hair has that doesn't mean anything. Gender creative is not a, that doesn't mean anything. Once she told us that she identified as a girl, she immediately wanted to grow her hair out. Oh, well, that must mean he's a girl if he wanted to grow his hair out. What other explanation could you possibly have? My inside to match my outsides. This was a kid who knew who she was from such a young age. No, and he didn't. Because no kid does, because they're a kid. About your kids being um, loved and accepted. So I'm always telling Sawyer to never hide who she is. Always be herself. Oh, no, no, no. You're, you're, you're telling him exactly that to hide who he is. That's exactly what you're helping him do. You lunatic. You Often abusive Mono, lunatic. Everybody loves everybody no matter what path you follow. It means I can be who I am no matter what. It doesn't matter because everybody loves me. My advice is just be yourself and don't let anybody tell you who you are. Yeah. That poor kid. That poor kid. I feel so bad for these kids. They, they, I, what hope do they have? Having parents like this. Having these lunatic, abusive parents. I mean, that, that kid should be removed from the home. And those, and those parents should be in prison. This is among the worst forms of abuse that you could possibly inflict on a child. This is psychological and sexual abuse uh, on, on, a, on such a deep level that you, you are warping Everything about them, their, their sense of themselves, you are warping. Some of the worst abuse you'll ever see. And it's being, and we're being told about it. The abusive parents are sitting there, the nice inspirational music in the background. And they're using it to sell shampoo. That's how accepted and normalized they want this to be. Let me tell you something. If you still go out and buy Pantene products... Whoever, anyone listening, if you go out and buy Pantene products, you're, you're pathetic if you would still go and buy their products after watching that. This is, a, this is a company that is using child abuse to sell their product. Anyone who would watch that 
and still buy the product is a pitiful excuse for a person. If that's not going to convince you, there should not be one. If you are a, call yourself conservative, I don't care what you call yourself. If you are a sane, normal person, you should never go near another Pantene product for the rest of your life based on that. It is no different. If, if, this was a, if this was an ad encouraging physical abuse of a child, and we were being told how that child is, is you know, locked in a closet and, and beaten with sticks and stuff like that, and, and, and it, they, were, they were telling us that with the inspirational music and saying how wonderful it is for the child. Would anyone buy that product ever again? We would be so horrified. We'd say this is the worst company on earth. This is no different. This is just as bad, if not worse. That is a child who's being ruined by those parents. Ruined. You know, listen to what he said. He said, um, you know, when he, when he wears girls clo- girl clothes, his insides match his outsides. Now, th- that, that is a perfectly expected an even reasonable thing to hear from a child who's been indoctrinated into this by his parents. But as adults, we know that that doesn't make any sense. What do you mean, what do you, mean you have girl insides? That doesn't mean anything. It makes zero sense. As adults, we know that. You can't expect a child to know it. Unless you tell them, because children don't know anything. Unless you tell them. A young boy, as I've said a million times, a young boy does not know who he is. You have to help him figure that out. And when he says, I'm a girl, he doesn't know what that statement means. He doesn't understand what he's saying. And if you don't believe me, Whenever you hear a a boy say that, all you have to ask him, all you have to ask him is, what do you mean? Hey, Sawyer, when you say you're a girl, what do you mean by that? What do you you mean? I ask my kids that kind of question all the time when they say things. Because they often make statements that don't make any sense because they're kids. Don't make any sense to me anyway. So I often have to say, what do you mean? And then as they started to describe it, I, I, I was like, okay, so this is what you mean. See, because they're going to they're gonna use words that don't line up with what they actually are trying to express because they don't have the words yet because their vocabulary is limited and they also don't understand their own emotions yet because they're psychologically limited and neurologically limited and their brains aren't fully developed yet. And so as a parent, my job so often is to figure out what they actually think and believe and want and feel and to help them to realize that about themselves and to help them to express it. I mean, you sit a kid down for at, at a restaurant to, to pick a, a meal. They, they don't even know what, what they want to eat. They'll point to something on the menu and you'll have to say as the parent, no, no, you don't really want that. I know you don't want it because I've gotten you that meal six other times and you didn't eat it. I know you think you want it, but you don't actually want it. I'm going to order you the meal that you're actually going to eat. We as parents do that all the time because kids don't know what they want. This is, this is not some academic um, 
discussion. This is basic child raising stuff. This is this is basic stuff about about child psychology. And to deny it to that extent is is horrific abuse. Please don't ever buy Pantene ever again. All right. Um, so we went on that for a little bit. Let's uh, let's move on to this. Okay, I wanted to play. Here's another video I wanted to play. Um, a teacher did a remote field trip with his class. He uh, went to the zoo. I'm not sure where this was, where this took place, but he he, uh, he they're they're still wherever he is. They're still doing Zoom classes. And so this video went viral. People talking about what a wonderful guy this guy is and what a wonderful teacher is. And he is a great teacher. No criticism of him. So he took his, uh, he had his laptop and he's on his Zoom class and he went to the zoo uh, to kind of take the kids on a remote field trip. And let's watch that here. Here it is. Why not still go to the zoo and you guys can come with. So let's keep going. You got it. What is this? Let's be great readers. Okay, so he's taking he's taking the kids around with the laptop and just showing them all the different. What do we have now, class? All the animals. A rhino. A rhino. That's right. Oh. And then the rhino runs away. Okay, this is in Washington State. Uh, You know, I I saw. Here's my point with this. Um, I watch this video and I think, well, that that's a great teacher. As critical as I can be of teachers, I, I don't deny that there's that there are some great ones out there. So it's good he's doing that for the kids. But I I can't you know I watch that and I I can't watch it and see it as some sort of in, inspiring video. I, I, it's it's not cute to me really. I, it's deeply sad, is what it is. There's no reason this teacher's doing everything he can, but there's no reason why these kids can't go to the zoo themselves. And there's no reason why they can't be in the classroom. The zoo is open. That's how he's there. The zoo is open. There are people walking around. So you, you can, wherever this is happening, you can have the zoo can be open. People can go to the zoo, but they can't sit in a classroom. What's more important, having the zoo open or classroom? That, that's the first thing I think when I see that. I mean, these poor kids have been locked in their homes, and now they're reduced to going on a, a, a zoo field trip through Zoom. And you hear the, I don't know how it came through in the audio, but you could hear the comments from these kids saying, oh, this is the greatest field trip ever and everything. And Which again, is, is great that they were given that, but it's also sad that they're so desperate for interaction to be out in public that, um, that they're excited to you know look at animals on, on Zoom. I find that to be, Pretty sad. All right. Um, so one other, one other point, one other thing to, to mention here. This is uh, from ESPN. It says a 14th lawsuit alleging sexual assault and inappropriate conduct was filed against Deshaun Watson by a woman who says that she believes the Houston's the Houston Texas quarterback quarterback is a serial predator. The lawsuit, which was filed Monday night and appeared on the Harris County District Clerk's website Tuesday morning, alleges that Watson Watson assaulted and harassed the plaintiff by exposing himself to her and touching her with his penis. Uh, the incident allegedly took place in California, just the second of the 14 allegations to take place outside the Houston area. The traveling massage therapist alleges that when she arrived at the address Watson gave her, he led her to a room, locked the doors behind him, 
after Watson allegedly forced plaintiff's hands onto his, uh, onto his genitals during the massage, he allegedly told her, I will not have you sign an NDA, but don't ever talk about this. Now, this is, as it says there, this is the 14th uh, lawsuit filed against Deshaun Watson, superstar quarterback, 14th. There's 14 accusers, and these are people accuse, accusing him not merely of harassment. These are assault accusations. And now the lawyer is, wants there to be a grand jury and, 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 and is hoping for criminal charges as well, but 14 accusers. And some of these accusers have brought receipts. Now, there's one that's uh, released text messages allegedly from Deshaun Watson, and one of the text messages said something like, it was after the fact, and it said, uh, you know, sorry if you were uncomfortable last time. You know, now, that doesn't prove that he committed sexual assault, but it, if the text messages are from, from him, which would be easy to confirm if it's true, but assuming the text messages are him, it, do, it does show that he was around this woman, something happened, and she was, quote, uncomfortable. That's not, it's not proof, but it is, it's, it's more evidence than you normally have in these situations, and then you add on top of that 14, 13 other accusers that's significant. And you know, I'm, I'm the last one to immediately believe any accusation that's thrown around. Of course, you have to go through innocent until proven guilty and all that. But um, at least that's how it goes in the court of law, and it should go. But as far as us, as, 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 as people making reasonable guesses as to what might have happened, hard for me to believe that 14 women telling very similar-sounding stories some of whom have text messages that they can show. Hard to me believe that they're all lying. And yet the interesting thing is that you don't, you're not hearing a lot about this story. So this is a, if you don't follow the NFL, I'd have to emphasize a superstar quarterback with 14 allegations of sexual assault. And it's, uh, yeah, it, it's getting, it, it, of course it's going to get some attention. It's getting some attention, but it's not, if you go to ESPN.com, Right now, for example, it's not the number one story. So it's not being treated as headline news in mass media or even in sports media. It's being treated as sort of an interesting side issue. And you have to really wonder, you have to wonder if this was a, a white quarterback, if this was, say, Tom Brady with all these accusations, would ESPN be treating it with the same um, you know, lack of interest? And I would say probably not. Okay, let's move now to reading the comments. This is from Mary Irwin says, I missed the videos from Matt's car. One of the best parts was how annoyed people got that he wasn't in studio or something. Also, I just imagine people passing through the Kroger parking lot, seeing him spouting angry truth to his dashboard. Ha ha. Yeah, that's, that is actually exactly what would happen with those car videos. I was some crazy lunatic in a car shouting, just shouting at the dashboard. And yeah, people would, people would often pass by and stare in like, what is this guy doing? The other thing about doing the car videos, you know, is that it, it would, I don't know if this uh, came across. It probably did if I was dripping with sweat when I did those videos because um, it, it got really hot in the summer. That was one, pra- that was one logistical problem. I couldn't really have the windows un- rolled down because uh, of, the, of the noise. So I would roll the windows up and it would be like 600 degrees in there. And I, I was risking my life. Hope you know that. Um, Cerebral Method says, it's a good point about Biden. The men who crave power are best fitted to acquire it. 
and least fitted to exercise it, which is why having an unbiased media is so important. Yeah, you always, and that is, that's the irony, that's the problem, that um, you're not going to become president these days or really any day unless you desperately want to be president. And Biden has desperately wanted to be president for decades. So you're probably not going to become president unless you desperately want it. But if you desperately want it, then you're kind of like the last person who should be president. And we're seeing that now with Biden. Um, Steve Boyher says, they added bike lanes in my town. They actually added them to the right sides of an already existing four-lane road through town, causing the road to become narrower. Now the cars are riding in narrower lanes, and the ruts created prior to the bike lane cause our cars to attempt to stay in the lane while fighting the ruts. Yeah, we make everything... Everyone is less safe, but at least we've accommodated the, 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 the cyclists and their recreational activity. So, you know, if you get into a car accident, if you get into a head-on collision because you're, 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 the lanes are too close together now, at least take solace in the fact that this happened so that a cyclist could have some, some recreation, get a little cardio in. Um, and Emily says, I was grocery shopping with my mask below my nose and some lady comes up to me and says that the masks don't work if I don't wear it properly. I ignored her and then she followed me to the checkout and harassed me again. I then responded to her, where's your second mask? Clearly she was not an authority on the efficacy of masks as she was only wearing one. Such a hypocrite. Great response. Yeah, this is my, my policy is number one, you know, if I go into a, a place, if I go into a, a private establishment of some kind, business, home, whatever it is, and, it, it, and I don't own it, and someone who, who does own it or works there, if they tell me, hey, we need you to wear the mask, I'll put it on because it's their place, their rules, and, um, and that's it. I'll respect their place and their rules. And also, the random employee at Walmart who's telling you to put the mask on, it, he, it's not his rule. He didn't make it up. He doesn't want to enforce it. He has to. And if he fails to enforce it, he'll probably get fired. I don't want to get that, that kid fired. So I'll do that. Like, I'm not going to volunteer to wear the mask. But if someone in a position of authority, and if you work at, even if you work at Walmart, then you, you do have a position of authority, at least in the, in the case you work for the employer. Um, if someone like that asks me to, then I will. I'm not going to volunteer. But if someone who has no authority, just some other person, a, a fellow customer or someone, Demands that I put it on? No, sorry. Because I don't, I don't have to listen to you. You, you have no authority. You have more, as, as much authority here as I do, which is none. And then and also, I, I've never quite understood this. Why do people care? This, this whole time, you've, had, you've got these complaints about people who wear the mask wrong or have the mask pulled below the nose. What do you care if someone has the mask pulled below the nose? What does it matter to you? If you think it, it puts them in more danger, that's, that's none of your concern. Do you really think if someone has the mask below the nose, which is how I wear mine, by the way, uh, and not because I don't know how to wear it, I wear it that way because I want to breathe. That's why I wear it that way. So when you see people at this point with the mask below the nose, no, these aren't morons who don't know how masks work. They, they're wearing it that way on purpose because it's more comfortable and it's none of your business. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think someone has the mask below the nose they walk past you in the grocery aisle. Do you think just from the air blowing out of their nostrils as they pass by you for a second, you think that's going to infect you when you're wearing a mask? Let me tell you something. If it does, then if that does happen, then the mask really was useless. And so what does it matter if they're wearing it or not? 
You know, I, I love and appreciate all of our sponsors on this show. Um, I, I love and appreciate them deeply and intimately. Well, maybe not intimately, but I, I, do, I do appreciate all of them. Although the more I love them, the, the better it is and the easier it is for me to talk about. And so it is really, really easy for me to tell you about constitutioncoach.com and to, uh, and to encourage you to take advantage of this. Uh, my friends over at constitutioncoach.com have a lot of great programs for equipping citizens to defend liberty by studying and living out the Constitution. I actually just experienced their constitutional defense course. This is what I was doing over the weekend. I mentioned it yesterday on the show briefly, uh, but I was in Nevada at uh, what's called Front Sight, and I was taking their training course, and I, I absolutely cannot recommend it enough. I was kind of nervous going in, I'll admit, but um, uh, those nerves quickly were were, uh, were settled, and I, I couldn't have been, ha- been happier to be there, and I'm happy that I went through that experience. You get an amazing combination of intellectual ammunition and live classes with Rick Green, America's Constitution Coach, and then you also get the physical training at the premier firearms training facility in the nation, all in the same course. You get to join hundreds of other patriots from across the nation for a time of learning, training, fellowship with like-minded people. Whether you have shotguns your whole life or if you've never even touched one, I'm telling you, these people took me to an entirely new skill level, and they're going to do the same for you. Don't just get a gun. Learn how to carry with confidence and get the training you need to defend your family. It's so important. If you have the gun, you've got to know how to use it. That's what, that's what sent me over there. That's why I wanted to do this, and I'm so happy that I did. You can go to constitutioncoach.com. Uh, and now I am way more confident handling a firearm than I ever had been in the past. Uh, and that's all thanks to constitutioncoach.com. Rick and the Constitution Coach team have another class on April 25th, but it'll fill up fast. So visit constitutioncoach.com today and watch my video there to find out more about how you can be a part of this one-of-a-kind training. Can't recommend it enough. Go to constitutioncoach.com. Now, if you haven't heard by now, um, but honestly, if you listen to me as much as you should, you, you would have heard by now. So you better have heard that Candace Owens has a brand new talk show with us uh, exclusively at dailywire.com. The full show might be available to Daily Wire members only, but Candace is also a podcast that you can listen to on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcast. The Candace Owens podcast uh, features several breakout segments from the full-length show, including interviews, panel discussions, and her advice corner. The podcast is so good, in fact, that it's reached number two on the Apple podcast chart just after the first episode. So if you need some Candace Owens in your podcast feed, look no further. Head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and subscribe today. Be sure to have to leave a five-star review if you like what you hear. Now let's get to our daily cancellation. So yesterday, the word obesity was trending on Twitter. For now, from what I can tell, the reason for this trend was, at least in part, the announcement from Krispy Kreme that they're going to give you free donuts. Well, free donuts, actually, multiple free donuts, if you can produce proof that you were vaccinated for COVID. And not just one donut. They'll give you a free donut every day for the rest of the year. Now, will anyone actually take them up on this? I I mean, will anyone bring their medical paperwork into a Krispy Kreme shop every day for a year to get a free donut? Will anyone anyone get the vaccine just just for the free donuts? I don't know, but if I know anything about Americans, the answer is certainly yes. Now, keep one thing in mind, though. Krispy Kreme is known for reneging on on these kinds of promises. There was a time many moons ago when you could go into a Krispy Kreme store Anytime the hot now light was on and you could get a free donut if the sign said hot now. Um, and there was a time many moons ago when I would often take advantage of that perk. But then, and I like to think this is thanks exclusively to my own uh, gluttonous and greed. They stopped offering the free donuts, at least at, at the, the, the Krispy Kremes around where I live. That was the case. 
So now, um, hot now only means that the donuts are hot and fresh, which of course means that when the light isn't on, they aren't hot and fresh. And that's a problem because Krispy Kreme donuts are exceptional in that they are the only food item which goes from being heavenly as soon as it emerges from the oven to inedible four minutes later. The donuts are, are great when they're piping hot, but downright reprehensible at room temperature. The second law of thermodynamics has not been kind to Krispy Kreme. Anyway, I seem to have lost the plot somewhere. Uh, the, the, the point is that Krispy Kreme is trying to help fight COVID by giving out donuts, and this is potentially doing more harm than good, seeing as obesity is one of the major COVID risk factors. One of the reasons that COVID hit us so hard is that we have so many obese people in this country. It doesn't seem like a great idea in light of that fact to encourage even more obesity. And it is that word obesity which prompted this tweet from actress Jamila Jamil, um, known for her role in that one show uh, and also that other show. And oh yeah, that uh, did you ever see that, that thing about the person doing the thing? Uh, she's in that too, I think. Well, she, whoever she is, she, she tweeted this. She said, quote, Obesity trending opens the floodgates to a tsunami of ignorant and illogical abuse against the fat community, lacking context, nuance, and humanity. Below is something I want you to understand. And then there's a picture with even more text, presumably written by her, saying, quote, Obesity is trending. On the subject of obesity and the amount of people who die allegedly from it, allegedly from it, I think it's important to keep reminding people that a lot of fat people die or become seriously ill because their symptoms of serious illness are ignored by doctors who blame everything on their weight and therefore don't investigate their health properly. Cancer, cysts, respiratory, brain tumors, life-threatening gynecological issues, etc., often missed by practitioners who are unable to see past their own fat phobia. So until people who are larger than average are treated equally by doctors and not dismissed and dehumanized so pervasively and frequently, we can't have an informed or fair conversation about any death rates or health issues related to obesity. Okay. Now, where to start? Maybe with this. She refers to the number of people who die allegedly from obesity. For the record, as far as that number goes, 78% of people hospitalized with COVID in the U.S. were overweight or obese. Worldwide, according to the World Health Organization, 2.8 million people die from obesity-related causes each year. And that's pre-COVID. Those are the pre-COVID numbers, 2.8 million worldwide. It's only gotten worse, not better. Jamil mentions um, that uh, obese people die from cancer, cysts, respiratory issues, which are allegedly missed by the fat-phobic doctors. Well, it turns out that obesity increases your risk of developing all of those things. The doctors are not ignoring those health hazards by telling you to get your weight under control. They're telling you to get your weight under control because of those hazards and countless others. We see here the extent to which the words like uh, words like equality and bigotry have lost their coherence. The words quite literally don't mean anything anymore. You may as well not say them because nobody will know what you mean when you do. No, doctors should not treat obese people equal to other people because they're not equal. If you're obese, you are less healthy, more at risk, more likely to die, and doctors absolutely ought to be taking that into account. Asking for a doctor to treat fat people equally is like complaining when your allergist gives you, an gives you an inhaler because people without asthma don't need inhalers. So you're being treated unequally. Well, you gave me an inhaler. What about him? Why don't you give him one? Well, because he doesn't have asthma, you dope. You, you are, as a person with asthma, you are unequal to non-asthma people. Unequal as in not the same as. You are different. You have this risk factor and they don't. Is your doctor being asthma phobic by giving you that inhaler? 
I suppose so. Yeah, he is. He is rightly afraid of what asthma might do to you, and so he's trying to treat it. In the same way, it is right to be afraid of what obesity might do to a person. Fat phobic? Sure. I'm fat phobic. I announce it proudly. I am fat phobic. I don't want to be fat myself. I don't want my loved ones to be fat. I don't want anyone to be fat. I am, I am phobic of that. I am phobic of people being fat. The reason I don't want that for myself or for anyone else is that I don't want to die. I don't want anyone else to die. Being fat not only can kill you, but it will. It will. There, there's a reason why you rarely see morbidly obese 80-year-olds. The reason is that obesity will shorten your lifespan. You are straining your body and your internal organs by carrying around all that extra baggage. Eventually, your body and your organs will be taxed to their limits. This is the reality. It's not pleasant, but that doesn't make it not real. So for all these extraordinarily obvious reasons, the idea of fat acceptance, the idea that there you know, even is such a thing as the fat community, which we must afford rights and equality to. I mean, think about that fat community. It's utter and complete madness. Yet it's predictable madness in a culture where self-love is not only the highest love, but indeed the only love we recognize. We are encouraged to focus our sights inward, right? To value our emotional well-being above all else. To put, to put ourselves before everything and everyone. To recognize no moral law, but our own whims. We've seen the catastrophic consequences of living in a civilization that operates that way. And we've seen in many forms the great irony, which is that we focus... The more we focus on ourselves, the more we demand acceptance of ourselves and of our vices. The more we love ourselves in this way, the more damage we do to ourselves. We are loving ourselves to death, you might say. Even death by Krispy Kreme and other assorted junk foods. And for that reason, Jamila Jamil, whoever she is, and all the other apostles from the church of fat acceptance, all must be forthwith canceled. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Godspeed. Well, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, Michael Knowles Show, The Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Walsh Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodosky. The show is edited by Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And our production coordinator is McKenna Waters. The Matt Walsh Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2021. Today on The Ben Shapiro Show, another mass shooting rocks Colorado. Joe Biden continues to lock kids in cages while keeping the border open. And Democrats aren't done yet. They're calling for an end to the filibuster. That's today on The Ben Shapiro Show. Give it a listen. Listener.